This is episode number 57, Life is About Choices, with Kahila Hedayat Zadeh. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohib, and this is the Overcoming Outs Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to an upcoming conference in Philadelphia on April 27th. Never Say Can't, a conference where you will not only get a chance to connect with hundreds of people who are going through a similar transformation that you are, but also be exposed to practices and strategies on helping you increase your self-belief, work through different forms of adversity, increase your positive self-talk, and create the story you want to live and not the story others want you to live. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash never say can't. Now, let's get back to our guest. How do you accept change in your life? She said, there's change that we decide we're going to make, and there's change that we have no control over. A lot of us have a very hard time accepting this type of change because we didn't get to make the decision for it. When we're fighting against that change, we're creating more challenges for ourselves. The second we let go of control, our subconscious mind starts looking for solutions. How do I figure out how I process this change? What can I do? What tools can I use? Without further ado, Please welcome Kahila Hedayat Zadeh. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone who I had the pleasure of talking to a couple days ago through a mutual co- connection of ours, Mark Guai, who used to be a speaker or has been a speaker at two of our events this far, both in California, also the only two times that I've ever been in California, fun fact for those who are curious about that part of my story. But the person that I'm bringing on today's show, her name is Kahila Hedayat Zadeh. And she is here to share her personal journey with you as well as some of the exercises and tips that she has learned in her life that have allowed her to create personal breakthroughs of her own. So without further ado, please welcome Kahila. Kahila, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I've heard so many good things about you and was so excited for Mark to connect us. So thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Mark's a a great person. He's, I I think there are some people that are just given certain um, abilities in this world. And Mm -hmm. I think one of Mark's is that he's very fortunate to be able to tap into 
at the age that he is, is to be able to disconnect with other people and really see so people true. for who they are. Even yeah. at times where they may not know who they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's a great person for that. But the way that I wanted to uh, start off our conversation today, which focuses on the theme of creating your own personal breakthroughs, is for those who aren't familiar with your story and your background, could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing as well as how a lot of that experience has shaped the person that you are today? Of course, of course. My story is very um, expansive as I think of it. So I was born and raised in Iran. Um, we, My parents and I and my brother moved out of Iran when I was 12 and moved to Germany. Um, and we lived there for a little bit of time before my dad decided, hey, you know, I don't know if this is the right country for us to live in. Um, there were some things that came up and he was just like, I don't feel right about this. So Um, My dad is a pilot, and at that time, he was one of the fortunate people to have the visa to both countries, Germany and the U.S. So he's like, let's go check out U.S. Um, If we don't like it, we'll move back home. Hmm. So, um, you know, and we came here. We had a friend. uh, My grandpa had a friend that lived in San Diego. So he was like, come to San Diego. I don't think you should go anywhere else in the U.S. Just come to San Diego. I have a feeling you guys will fall in love. Sure enough, we moved here and completely fell in love with him. <laughs> so <laughs> we haven't lived anywhere else but San Diego. I've been here for now I would, 23 years. Uh, so it's been a while. I uh, didn't speak a word of English when we moved to the States, and I was 13 when we moved. So very tender age. Um, so I was in the middle of eighth grade and pretty I much feel started the struggle. School. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can relate. Um, I'm I'm getting anxiety from just thinking about it. <laughs> um, but it was a very uh, just as a teenager, you know. Obviously, we left our friends, my brother and I, and we left our family, and we were very close with all of them. So it was a interesting journey to come through um, at the age of thirteen, at tender age of thirteen. And so my parents put me in school almost immediately. And I remember the first day I went to school, um, I had never cried when, like, first grade when my parents dropped me off first grade. And I was like, all right, bye, guys. Like, see you later. (laughs) But I remember when they left, eighth grade, when they left that day, I was bawling because I had no clue how to communicate with anyone. And um, it it was a scary time, but the way my mind has always worked. And it's funny, as I have gone through my journey, I realized uh, some things that were, I guess, psychological uh, terms or, or really strengths that I had within me that I never realized. But my self-talk has always been really strong. I've always been aware of the narrative that's inside my head. Mm. So I basically told myself that, all right, well, either I can cry about this or I can try to figure out how to get through this. Um, and I realized that, okay, you have this, you talk to yourself in Farsi in your head. So what if you start learning how to talk to yourself in English in your head? No one is in there. No one can hear you. No one listens to you in there. So you don't have to be embarrassed. If you At say least you hope wrong. not, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. We'll get to that too. <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of just started talking to myself in English in my head And, you know, we obviously were in ASL classes. So went through that journey. It was wonderful. Um, And it was probably one of the um, 
really catalysts that made me stronger as a person. And so, uh, you know, as my journey continued, I was in real estate for about seven years after my bachelor's degree in psychology. I just kind of fell into the field and um, stayed in it because obviously you make a lot of money in that field. Uh, but I hated it. It did not speak to my soul, to my heart, and I'm very connected to the deeper sides of me. I've always been that way. Um, and as I was going through that journey of wanting to leave and debating if I want to go back to school and what I wanted to do, uh, my mom, who I've always been very close to, was diagnosed with stage four or stage three ovarian cancer. So that basically made my decision for me. I um, came out of that field immediately and became her full-time caregiver. Um, her the process for her cancer was very demanding. Um, it we immediately went into chemotherapy and then right after she, a couple of weeks of um, kind of recovering from chemo, she went into surgery and she battled with cancer for almost five years. Um, and I was right alongside of her during that five years. And in the, in the midst of all that, I decided that I wanted to go back to grad school. And so I became a marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. And it was something that's always spoken to my heart. I've always had a desire to help people. I, I want to um, help them look at life differently because we don't have to suffer. My, I've been saying this for the last couple months, especially. I want to do everything that I can in my power to reduce human suffering. Mm. Um, because we just, we just don't have to suffer so much. I know we're all going to go through painful experiences. That's going to help us grow but we don't have to suffer so much through it. So, you know, um, so I went back, did that, and started my my career in therapy as I was going through the process with my mom. And that process with cancer was everything um, that was really part of my journey and part of her journey because it completely changed me as a human being. And it brought me into a deeper level of um, acceptance, of love, of how to really deal with challenges and obstacles, especially things that you have no control over, um, and just kind of go through life knowing that everything is a lesson, mm -hmm. everything, is, it, everything is there to inspire you and to help you grow, and you can either continue to fight against it which is going to be very painful, and that's what causes depression, anxiety, and array of different disorders, um, physical even, or you can learn how to go with the flow and how to just accept what is and uh, learn from it again. So uh, long story short, I lost my mom in 2014 to cancer, and that was, it really still is one of the most devastating things I've experienced in my life, and I've gone through quite a bit. But that really, it broke me to my core. Um, and so the first year of the grieving process with her, with her passing was, I call it a rebirth because it really, um, it, it's easy to say it changed me, but it changed me in a way that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting to meet Kahila as I am today, mm -hmm. if that makes sense to the listeners or to yourself. But you know, it, it takes you into a deeper level of self-discovery and you recognize your resilience in, in how much you can overcome as a human being. And so that made me really 
come out. So where I am today, I, I do more breakthrough coaching rather than doing a therapeutic, uh, traditional therapeutic process. It brought me to the decision of today because I want to reach, I want to reach as many people as I can in the world. Uh, because again, I don't want to have people suffer. I, I want to help people through their challenges because the way I look at things and the way I process things, I've noticed that's not uh, in a traditional manner. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about breaking traditions. <laughs> so I've broken many traditions in my life, one of which that really culturally in a Persian community that's kind of looked down on um, is that uh, I, I'm the only person in generations that has ever filed for divorce and has actually completed a divorce. And so, um, you know, again, it's life is about choices and it's about, uh, ultimately it's about your happiness. Oh yeah. So, and it's not just my happiness, it's whoever you're with too. So I, I wanted my partner to be happy as well. So it was, it was a decision it was a mutual decision. So, you know, and that's what I want to, I'm glad that we're going to have that conversation today because I want to help people look at things in a different manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for the female community, because we're stuck with the, uh, the shame and the guilt of letting go of traditions and letting go of things that have been told to us. And I think men have it too, but luckily you guys handle it a lot differently than we do. <laughs> so you know, uh, yeah. It's Go a very, ahead. very interesting point that you bring up, and there's so many things that I would love to just dissect almost to really yeah. break it down as far as like how this, what all this means. The the theme of what I'm hearing from what you just described is change. Right. And I think that's really the biggest thing that we as humans try to understand is, okay, if I make a decision here, this is going to change my environment or my perspective or whatever else. And mm-hmm. what is that going to be like? I think mm-hmm. that's the central question that we always ask right. ourselves is how, how is this going to change me? What is really going to change? Is it going to change my financial situation, emotional state of being? Is it going to change my relationships and the people that are in my life? So it, from someone who has been through a journey like yours where not only did you have to move different countries, but you came here, you literally experienced the similar version of culture shock that I have. Mm. You didn't speak English. You didn't know much about this culture. Mm-hmm. How do you accept the possible changes that are going to take place? Right. Great question. Um, so there's a couple of different ways that I want to answer this, but to directly answer your question right now is there's one part of change in our life. So there's change that we decide that we're going to make, right? Mm-hmm. And there's change in our lives that we have no control over, like our move, right? Mm-hmm. Or or my mom's cancer. Like we we didn't decide on that, right? It was basically thrown in your face and it, it feels like a big slap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and a lot of us have a very hard time accepting that type of change because we didn't get to make the decision for it. So, you know, what happens when we're fighting against that change, we're creating more challenges for ourselves instead of recognizing that, Hey, okay, this change is here. There's nothing I can do about it. I have no control over it. And the second we recognize that we need to let go of that desire of control, which comes from the ego side of us Mm -hmm. and which is the ego mind. The second we accept that we can let go of control, 
we start, our subconscious mind starts looking for solutions of how do I figure out how I process this change now? How do I figure out, for example, with, with the move, how do I learn the language? What can I do? What tools can I use um, to enhance my learning? Right. Or what can I do now that my mom's cancer is here? Instead of going into victim mode, you go into solution mode. Mm. And so a lot of us tend to, and that's again, another part of our ego is that a lot of us tend to go into the victim mode of why is this happening to me? I don't get this. I don't understand, um, you know, finding that, that the reasons behind the changes that are occurring and that victimhood really keeps you uh, confined in a, in a space where it's, it's really dark. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of depression that comes with it. And um, it's, it's a hard place to be in. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about getting out of that space and, and just, again, finding solutions. One thing I tell my clients all the time is, if you want to create something in your life, if you want to change, don't tell yourself that you're going to try to do this because then what happens is that your subconscious mind is listening to that. It's saying, okay, cool. I'm going to find millions of ways to try to do this. But mm. instead, if you tell yourself that I will do this, that I will figure out how to do this, your subconscious mind is now looking for solutions and it will do everything in its power to resolve that for you. Very so, interesting. Yeah. I feel like a question came up for you. <laughs> it, it did, and, and a lot of it comes from manifestation, I right. think. Right, yeah. One of the things that you touched upon earlier was the kind of the power of positive self-talk, really. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been very fortunate to recognize that for myself because I think, well, I have to speak for myself. For me, it was an ongoing yeah. battle to have that inner dialogue that is encouraging. And especially when you experience, when I've experienced the forms of adversity, right. there were times when it was hard to be able to step back and say, well, that's, that doesn't have to be a part of me when really yes. all you were living in was just that. And yes. that's all you were looking at and that's all you were breathing. And right. so for me, the turning point was when I, a recognized that I was having that inner dialogue with myself. Mm-hmm. And the second part was, I think, understanding how thoughts really manifest into something. Right. And just really, I, I think now is the perfect time, which is really interesting that I'm having a conversation with you at this particular moment, because I've actually, over so many instances within this past year, have been able to see how things manifest. Mm-hmm. And if you truly do put pen to paper or, or however it is that you create it, and then you look at everything, and then you do say, I'm going to do this. I, I right. will accomplish this. Right. And you put a definitive goal with a definitive plan. It actually happens. Right. And But regarding the attempts, I will try I can definitely relate in my life where I've said that and that's all I was doing. Right. I was trying to find ways to try, but you never get to the end goal. Nope. No, you really don't. And I love the points that you just brought up. There's a couple of things in that, that I really want to dig a little bit deeper into. 
you said the stories that we tell ourselves. So all of us are storytellers and we mm -hmm. are amazing storytellers, right? The things that we repeat in our mind about <laughs> a conversation we had with someone or an event that happened 10 years ago or something that we're trying to accomplish, but we keep on attaching all these thoughts and stories to it. And it's, it, we are amazing at storytelling. So all of us should be able to write a book, honestly, <laughs> right? We can all write storybooks. Absolutely. But, so that's the problem is that we get stuck in our stories. It's like a broken tape record in there, right? For those of us who can remember the old school tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's when it got stuck, we would spin it back with a pencil. Mm -hmm. That's what happens in our mind is that it continues to repeat itself over and over and over again. And it's like, you need to consciously decide to hit the erase button on that, right? And erase the entire story. We owe nothing, nothing to our thoughts. Our thoughts are not who we are. Our thoughts are not, they don't define us, mm -hmm. right? And But what's been happening is that throughout our lives, other people's stories, other people's opinions, other people's thought processes have gotten stuck in our mind. Right. And so we keep on repeating those things and it's allowing yourself to say, you know what? I don't want to listen to this story anymore. I tell myself that sometimes when I feel like something is repeating over and over in my head, I'm like, Kahila, seriously, that's enough. <laughs> I, I literally tell myself that I'm like, that's enough. Good God. Like I heard it enough already. I know like that's I'm good. So, and it, it stops my, it really does in my head. It stops. Like it keeps on wanting to come back and it's like, Ooh, uh -uh, I don't want to go there again. Mm -hmm. So then I've created space in my own mind and in my life. And like you said, I'm able to manifest the new thought. I'm able to manifest new things in my, in my life because I've let go. I've cleared that space that exists within me, uh, from the old beliefs, from the self-destructive beliefs, from the fears, from the ego, from anything that is holding us back. You have to literally talk to yourself like you're a child mm -hmm. that you're not you're not thinking about this anymore because it's not it's not productive and so the reason why we experience depression and anxiety is because of our thoughts but we blame it on our emotions emotions get a bad rep but a lot of us don't think wait a minute i had a thought before i had an emotional reaction very true so but we blame it on, I don't know why I'm feeling sad. I don't know why I'm angry. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me for feeling all these emotions. And if you just pause for a second and say, what was the thought before this emotion? What was I just thinking about? Do you, think that, do you think that happens from lack of awareness? Part of it, yeah. And honestly, part of it is what we're taught in our society um, and in the world, because I, I really even I was somewhere a couple of nights ago and the shaman started talking. And he was like, I didn't feel like working out. And so my emotions were taking over uh, over me. And that's why I didn't want to work. And I was like, but what was your thought before your emotions started telling you that you don't want to work out? And he's like, oh, I'd never thought about it that way. I didn't think that my thoughts came first. Hmm. So it is, I don't think a lot of people know that or, or they don't allow themselves because I think there's such a stigma around emotions in our society mm -hmm. that no one talks about, but what are your thoughts behind these emotions? 
what are the stories that you're telling? What is the narrative? What's been your narrative throughout your entire life? Because narrative is really uh, something that has been embedded in us our entire since childhood, since we were babies, right? So part of it is not really in our control. Mm-hmm. Part of it is really because of our ancestor stories, our grandparents, our parents, our whoever was around us, our teachers. So, yeah, I think there is a lack of knowledge on on the thought process of how it really that manifests into the world, into our reality. Mm-hmm. You speak a lot about the environment and the things and the people and everything in between that really plays a role on mm-hmm. who you become. What I've been curious throughout my lifetime is how do you how do you say no to the things that aren't helping you grow? Mm. And then the second part about that is what kind of qualities do you personally look for in people that can help you get to the next stage or Mm. fill a hole that you're trying to fill with? Whether that's, I I was just having a conversation earlier today with um, one of our guests and we were talking about how when you think about the, your closest um, network or a group Mm -hmm. of friends, Mm -hmm. and at least in, in my experience, it seems that every single one of them has a defined role. And it's yeah, not like when so the friendship true. started, I said, yeah. hey, Carson, you just have to be a person that listens to me. <laughs> Julia, right. you have to be the person that gives me advice on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, but when you really look at it in, at each per- persona, it's all like that. And so it kind of makes me wonder, A, was it the, the quality that I was looking for? And mm-hmm. through my friendship, I was able to kind of guide that person in that role Mm. to fill that hole or is that something that just gets picked up along the way by that individual and then they fall into that space because they see okay this person needs this therefore i'm going to become that Mm. i love that question i almost want to answer the second part first would that Mm -hmm. be okay absolutely yeah so Through my spiritual journey, I I talked about how it was a rebirth for me after I lost my mom. So I went through a very deep spiritual journey and um, read a lot of books, watched a lot of videos, just kind of did a lot of research on my own. And from now, and this is so against the scientific part of my mind, right, or my brain, my education, Mm -hmm. but I actually believe that we bring in people that our soul needs we bring in the energies and the qualities of the people that we need. So we attract that to ourselves. So Carson is the person that listens to you or you mm-hmm. can talk to. Um, that was his quality and you attracted that to yourself. You attracted that quality into your life because he was going to be able to hold that space for you. That makes and sense. So that's my spiritual side of it. And I would say my scientific psychological side of it, um, we can see, we're very smart, right? As human beings, we can see qualities in people and their strengths. And so we can, like you said, we can kind of play on those strengths and know that, okay, this person can handle, if you think about the trust part of things, Mm -hmm. that this person can handle 
uh, my story, that this person can handle um, my, my emotions or my struggles or whatever it is, or my, my happiness, my joy. You know, this person can, can create a safe space for me and hold that for me. Right. Because you've seen, you've noticed those qualities in that person. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, you go towards that. You, you know that this person is going to be able to process things with you the way you need them to. And then there's some friends that are like party friends, right? They're like fun friends. You can, you can tell kind of like what, what kind of space this person is in a psychological manner and what you can get from them. Mm -hmm. But that's coming from the ego. Oh, I see. So that's the ego mind. And that's not so much spiritual. That's not coming from the heart. You're Mm -hmm. not connected to them on a deeper level. But if you're spiritually connected with someone, that person, you can, you just tell, you can just tell that you're connected on a very deep level where it's like hard for you to explain Right. Like, I don't know why I have this connection with this person, but I, I just immediately connected with them. That's Very a soul to, soul to soul connection. The question that I have for you is this. So if you are always and this is something that I've personally, I, I, I try to better understand how it works. So if you're leading with your heart, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you are, for example, you are asking one of your friends for help with X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. that you know they're best at. How do you draw a line where, and and maybe this is where your ego is taking control instead of the other part. How do you mm-hmm. draw a line between knowing when it's too much and when their unique talents and abilities are being almost used? Mm. Is that the ego speaking to you or or is there something that's actually happening where you may be taking advantage of that person in that particular field? So really fascinating question. So I am the way I approach my clients and what I try to guide them through is a lot of self recognition mm-hmm. and a lot of inside work. So with that, I mean, if you have, if you have made the inside work, if you have worked through yourself and let go or processed a lot of your pain, you tend not to go so much outside of yourself to seek for that help, to try to figure out if someone else can help you get through something. That makes sense. So, yeah, because then you develop a different confidence. It's not just, you know, the, what we talk about, have self-confidence or have self-esteem. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's coming from a place of knowing that I have the strength and the power within me and I have all the answers within me to know what I need to know how to get through this process. And another component of that, that I was going to talk about that's related to your first question that you Mm -hmm. asked me is knowing your core values and your core values are some of them we were raised with. Some of them were embedded in us, uh, you know, as we were younger by a lot of different people that we admired, um, whether that's your parents, whatever. So, but then part of, Your values are also the things that you have experienced through life and they become part of your core of, you know, I I will never hurt anyone. For example, my, my whole thing is like, for example, for me, 
um, joy is a core value of mine. Trust, being honest and being truthful is another one. And really um, continuously being able to learn and evolve. Those are very important values for me. So I, if I live based on those core values, then I'm not always externally seeking for things to satisfy me. And I think that's our biggest problem is that in our, especially in America and in our society, mm-hmm. we're always seeking for external satisfaction, mm-hmm. for external help, for Approval. something that, mm-hmm. yeah, that would satisfy whatever that's missing inside of us. So if you're, you, if you're living based on your core values and the knowing of that you can get through this, then if you approach someone else just to kind of talk or to kind of get their feedback or to see if they have a different opinion that would be beneficial to you, you're going to know where to draw that line. Mm. It's not gonna, you're not going to go, you're not going to cross boundary lines. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know where your boundaries are. You know that, you know what, I, I wouldn't want them to feel like I'm using or abusing them mm-hmm. because I value them as a human being mm-hmm. because I wouldn't want to be treated that way. So then you, you've defined that boundary line for yourself. Of, I'm not going to cross a boundary line that's important to me that I don't, wouldn't want someone else to cross. So why would I do it to someone else? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Take, take us a step back though. And and maybe there's an exercise that comes to your mind, but how can people define their core values to begin with? So with my clients, I usually give them, people can go online and just type in values. So I usually have my clients write down a list of 50 just different values. Mm -hmm. So I would actually suggest everyone going to a Google search and just doing that and then just seeing which one speaks to them. So pick 50 And then out of that 50, reduce that to 10. Okay, so go through it and see, all right, I need 10 of these. Which one really speaks to me? And the way I tell my clients to know exactly which one speaks to them is doing some sort of relaxation technique like meditation or just breathing before you do this. You know, after you write your 50, do some more breathing techniques and just really get to into your heart chakras and not so much in your head just release yourself from your your mind mm-hmm. um, and just get into your heart and then you'll know exactly what those 10 are that are speaking to you and then from those 10 I would reduce it to three because your top three are the ones that you live with daily you know and so I encourage everyone to do that in order to discover your top three 10 core values that you live off of you throughout your life and always know that especially those 10 are interchangeable. There's going to be a couple that are, you're going to be like, you know what, this is not a value to me anymore because I went through this life experience and for whatever reason, it no longer makes sense to me. So I'm going to allow myself to add two more into the list that speak to me now. Does it ever makes, well, it, I think it does. And I partially just answered my own question, but <laughs> when when is an appropriate time to sit back and reevaluate because i'm sure over time some of those core values may change and you may have additional ones that replace some of the older ones from i'm imagine from when you were 7 to 20 yeah. and 30 and 40 and 50 do you, what how do you take a step back and kind of you know do you take a step back and rewrite the 50 or do you kind of just evaluate the top 10 and then add and subtract from there 
Yeah, I would say mostly the top 10. And with with someone who is going through quite a bit of change or um, is really trying to break through emotional and mental barriers, I would suggest that they do it every six months. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, extend that to every year. I would do that every year. I, I go through it myself every year, um, kind of like a ritual of like, where am I now? What has changed within me? Um, and do I still believe the same things? And so the top 10, um, just continue to go through that and see what, what else needs to stay and what needs to go. Um, but yeah, I would, I would do it yearly for everyone just because it reminds you of who you are again. Because if we're not living based on our values, we're suffering. Mm-hmm. Because we're then playing someone else's game, mm-hmm. right? We're mm-hmm. now trying to satisfy someone else's desires and it's not even ours. And it doesn't at all coincide with who we are as human beings. So that's why one of the first things I do with every person I work with is give me your core values. Give me a list of your values and then we'll go on to the next session because I need to know who you are and how you operate on the basis. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're, you're not living your true self. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Final thought for today's episode. And this is a question I ask all of our guests who come onto sure. the show. When the odds are completely against you, mm. what are some core fundamental principles that you always refer to? That's such a great question. Um, you know, again, the core values are one, but self-efficacy and resilience is the two that I go back into often. And self-efficacy is really um, the belief that we have it in us. We have the abilities to face challenges and move ahead with challenges and complete whatever the task is that needs to happen, right? So it's the knowing that you've already gone through other challenges in life. This isn't your first rodeo, right? (laughs) It's happened before, but we tend to forget that, oh my God, what am I going to do now? I have no idea how to go forward. Mm -hmm. But just take a a deep breath. I am a huge fan of breathing because it calms your mind, it calms your soul, and it just grounds you for that moment. So really quickly, one of the breathing techniques I use is take a deep breath for a count of four, take in a deep breath for a count of four, hold it for seven, and release it for eight. It's easier to remember four, eight, eight, so people can do that too, but do this three times Whenever something has happened and you are stressed out and you're just a human being, so you're going to be stressed out, right? (laughs) Don't fault yourself for being stressed out. And I think that's the number one thing we do is we fault yourself ourselves for like, oh my God, I should be able to handle this. What's Mm -hmm. wrong with me? Mm -hmm. I'm freaking out. No, you're only human being. (laughs) Calm yourself. It's okay. It's okay. Just breathe. Just remind yourself to breathe. And then once you breathe, you can go back into the thought of, I've already gone through maybe even worse before, and I've gotten through it. Hmm. What, was, what were some of the things that I did then? Was it that I wrote? I took out a piece of paper and a pen and just wrote about everything that was on my mind, and I call it brain dumping. Just dump on that piece of paper, or did I call someone that I trusted? 
and just said, Hey, this is happening. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you anything from you. I just need you to hear me. Could you create that space for me? Or if it was you going for a walk in nature and just being present and being mindful in that, whatever your resources, use it. Instead of sitting there simmering in whatever it is that happened, mm-hmm. do something that's going to allow your mind to expand and allow your heart to expand to expand as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge believer that it's a mind and heart play. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. If, if you are not connected, you are, you're suffering. Mm. This is a slightly unrelated question to yeah. what you just said, but it's very relevant to the, I think this whole theme. As I was sitting here and kind of thinking through my life and the language that I use with myself, how do you personally mm-hmm. write your to-do list every day? Because I think mm-hmm. when you think about that, it's, I mean, in most people's, um, in most cases, that's the thing that starts off your day. So I'm always right. wondering if instead of writing one through 20 and mm-hmm. you bullet point each one, does it make more sense to try an approach such as I will do this? Mm-hmm. I will call this person. Right. I will do this. Is there a practice that you use from your own yeah. experience that has worked? That's because I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's there. that has to be somehow psychologically affecting your mindset. Totally. And that's one of the reasons probably why you feel like you don't get through the list and then you look back at yourself, well, there's you know no way I could have done that. And then you, you do begin to develop that negative self-talk and negative exactly. self-image. So how do you develop even a list like that that starts off your day? First, eliminate that the I can't, I won't, and damn it, I should have done this and I didn't, mm-hmm. right? That's the first thing we need to eliminate. And yes, it is. it starts with a I will, um, and I do, I do that. Um, I will do this. I will call this person. And, and But I allow myself to really, uh, and there's some experts that I've listened to or have done research on. Some of them say only three in a day. Really? Write down three to do things in a day or five. I personally do five. And if I don't get to all five, I literally tell myself that I'm going to forgive myself for not getting to all five of them. And so it's, it's almost tomorrow. like you're writing a contract with yourself on yeah, a daily basis. Exactly. And, and allowing yourself to be human, to have different, because things, through, things happen throughout the day that you have no control over. Correct. Right. Again, and that's going back to the control part of it, because we think we have control over our lives. A lot of parts we don't. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's really hard to accept for a lot of us, especially type A personalities. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> because we want to do everything. We want to get everything done. And like, what do you mean you didn't get through these 20 things that you were supposed to do? So that's all self-talk, right? Catch yourself when you say things like that to yourselves, the shoulds and the, and I, I had to do this and I, I, I'm not good enough for not doing this. I didn't have a successful day because I didn't get through my 20 things on the item. So start with three to five. And if you don't get to them, it's okay. I forgive you. We'll get to it tomorrow. But if you do get to it, and if you feel like it, add one more to it tomorrow. 
you know, and kind of just allow, it's like a dance. Uh I always say that life is a dance. You've got to be able to move with it. It's the ebb and flow. Otherwise you're going to keep on crashing. Otherwise you're going to be disappointed in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is just allowing yourself to just be human and just say, okay, I, I will, I will do these things. I will do my best to get through all of them. And if I don't, tomorrow's a new day. I'll add it. I'll move, move it over to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. the way I do it. That's incredible. Kahila, how do people find you? And what are some of the things that you have coming up? that people can possibly participate, attend, or somehow be involved with your work? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, it's Meet Kahila. So M-E-E-T Kahila, K-A-H-I-L-A. It's actually the same for my website. Um, just made it easier so people don't have to spell out my last name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are the two resources you can find me on. Um, I, so my work is really going through, uh, the breakthrough process of mental and emotional blocks with everyone. And we all have blocks that we're unaware of. So that's the work that I do with my clients and, you know, whoever is in need of that, they can definitely send me a message and contact me for that. I'm actually trying to, um, they're all up in the air. Nothing has been finalized, but I'm trying to do a couple of speaking gigs, um, here in town, um, regarding just finding your own power, discovering mm. your own voice and finding your power. And that's all through just what we talked about today is your narrative and through discovering your intuition instead of always snapping judgments and saying that, no, it's my mind. That's always right. Knowing that, no, your intuitive voice is a little bit loud, louder than your mind. If you mm-hmm. listen to it. And it comes from the heart. And that's exactly how things manifest, like we were talking about earlier, is your intuition because you know exactly what you need and how how you need it. So teaching people how to trust themselves, teaching people how to let go of their old stories and that they do not need to come through the entire life with us. We mm-hmm. are allowed to let them go. They happened. They made us who we are. They made us stronger. They made us incredible human beings. We can thank them and release them. So that's some of the things that I'm going to be talking about for these speaking gigs. I'll, I'll put them up on my way, on my website and Instagram. Uh-huh. So if people want to follow me on there, I'll update them on. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a guest thank on our show so and sharing your story and all these tips. I know for a fact that I'm, I've learned. And in fact, I know of a first step that I'm going to implement within my life starting awesome. right now. Which is what? the reversing the to-do list process nice for me it's always been i i learned this trick a little while ago from a friend of mine and he what he does is he goes to the dollar store Mm -hmm. and he buys a notepad Mm -hmm. and every single day he would write a to-do list on a sheet of paper and the the only requirement is that it cannot exceed a page you can't go on to two pages and and you can't flip that page Okay. So you write down one, and then at the end of the day, or as you complete each one, you cross it off. Okay. At the end of the day, whatever's not crossed off, you rip out that page, and then you copy it over onto the next day. Mm-hmm. So you, okay. you, can, you never have the ability to go back and look at, okay, okay, on Monday I accomplished 10 out of 17 things. Yeah. And so yeah. it it Because it, I think that's part of a trap that you fall mm-hmm. into. But the change that I would like to make in addition to that 
is actually write an I will statement at the beginning of each mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Because looking back at just how my life has worked, literally every time I have done that, when I said, I will do this, I will go talk to this person, it has always happened. Totally. Yeah. And there is that there's both sides of that. There's a spiritual side of it and there's a psychological side of it, right? Like we were talking about our subconscious mind. Yeah. It will find ways to make sure that you accomplish that goal. That's what it's there for. Yeah. So yeah, why not? Why not hold ourselves accountable with a gentle reminder of you will do this Yes. because you have the ability to, you have everything inside of you already to accomplish any goal that you want. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of our latest episodes along with ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.